Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The big ten, the big ten, I'll get it out. The big ten, that's the theme that we've been using to take a little deeper look at the Ten Commandments over the course of the summer. We've come to the third commandment. Maybe you got the sense from even the readings that we had that God is concerned about rest when it comes to the third commandment. It's actually what the word Sabbath means. It means rest. God is not only concerned about physical rest for you and me, he's even more concerned about providing for us spiritual rest. And that's what we'll see through the course of the sermon today. Can I ask you a question this morning? I'd love a show of hands because I'm just interested to see where you're at in your life. How many of you would you say on an average week, so take this past week, that you got exactly the right amount of sleep during the course of the week, that never once did you wake up tired, you were exactly just as rested as you needed to be. Raise your hand if that's you. You're rested every night. Wow. Okay, how about let's go the other way. How many of you would say most weeks you could use at least a few more hours of sleep? Go ahead and raise your hand. Yeah, okay. It doesn't shock me, I will, I will say that. Do you know the estimate? The estimate is that about 60% of Americans deal with some form of insomnia. Some way, shape, or form, there simply are nights that you can't sleep. Maybe there's too much on your mind. Maybe it's the fact that we're busy looking at screens all day long and we can't let our minds, I don't know what the reason is, but you're not alone. I guess I'm probably not alone either. Do any of you relate to this? There are mornings that I get out of bed and I kind of look longingly at my bed and say, I can't wait to be with you again. <laughs> yeah. It seems like life is so busy sometimes that the rat race of this life leaves us needing rest. I know you won't be surprised by this. In America, many companies have tried to capitalize on the fact that there are many Americans who need more rest. Right, so now you can get mattresses that are designed for you to sleep better. High-tech pillows, right, that you're supposed to be able to use for a great night's sleep. There are apps that you can get on your phone. There are medications that you can take. These noise, white noise-making machines that will help you rest better. It is a $30 billion a year industry. Sleep aids. I don't know about you, but my favorite sleep aid, I don't even think counts in that $30 billion a year. It's my fan. It runs 365 days a year every single night. I just need it for the noise to fall asleep. Here's what's so awesome about the rest that God wants for you. It doesn't cost a thing. You don't have to go to the pharmacy and pay $7.99 for it. It's not something that God needs you to search for and find. He gives it to you. He gives it to you in his word. And that's what we'll learn about in the third commandment today. Again, proof that God's commandments are not there to make our life miserable, but instead that God wants to provide great blessings for us in his love. As we review the third commandment today, could I ask you to say the words of the third commandment with me? Here's what it says. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. What does this mean? We should fear and love God that we do not despise preaching and his word, but regard it as holy and gladly hear and learn it. 
As we take a look at Acts chapter 17 today, we get a positive example from Scripture. A group of people in a city called Berea who had the exact right attitude toward God's word, who understood the rest that God wanted to provide for them in that word. And so God's encouragement to you and to me today through these, short, these few verses is to be like the Bereans, to be a Berean. First of all, receiving the word eagerly, and then secondly, recognizing that it's God who will give us rest. Let's take a look at how the Apostle Paul met the Berean Christians. As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Let's have a real brief review of the Apostle Paul's second missionary journey. That's when these events are happening. And just to kind of walk you back through, I'll use the little pointer here. The Apostle Paul's second missionary journey took him back to the same place as he was on his first missionary journey. From there, Paul had the idea that he was going to go north into Asia, but Acts chapter 16 actually tells us that the Spirit prevented him from doing so. So Paul and his travel partner Silas ended up at this city in Troas, where they had a, Paul had a vision, a vision from a man of a man from over here in Macedonia saying, come over and help us. If you know a little bit about geography, you might know the significance of that dream, that vision. It was the first time that the Apostle Paul entered with the gospel Europe. He went to modern-day Greece, stopping at Philippi first, passing through Amphipolis and Apollonia, spending about three weeks in Thessalonica, and then today we'll see him right here in the town, in the city of Berea. That's why that first verse is the way it is, because of the events that had happened leading up to Paul's journey to Berea. Three weeks, three Sabbaths, we're told that the Apostle Paul reasoned with the Thessalon in Thessalonica. And from that point forward, things got a little bit strange. They were filled with jealousy, those who didn't believe Paul's message. And so filled with jealousy that they actually wanted Paul out of town. They made life miserable for him. Persecution was a real possibility as the Apostle Paul stayed there in Thessalonica. And so we're told in that first verse that under the cover of darkness, the Apostle Paul sort of slipped out of town to head to Berea, a night escape. But here's the most amazing part. As Paul faced these threats to his life, as he faced this persecution, he was undaunted. He moved right on to the next city, and when he got to Berea, he went right to the place which was his custom, the synagogue. Why would the Apostle Paul start in the synagogue as he went to each of these cities? Well, you see, Paul knew that the people there would know the Old Testament scriptures. They would know the prophecies about Jesus. And Paul could then use the events of Jesus' life to compare to those Old Testament scriptures and demonstrate how Jesus was the fulfillment of those scriptures. Right away, Luke tells us there was something different, though, about these Bereans than about those in Thessalonica. Take a look at what he says. Now, the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. More noble character. Luke's words describe a high standing, a high position, I suppose you could say, that he assigned or gave to these Berean Christians 
because of their spiritual approach. They not only wanted to hear what Paul said, they came with a willingness to hear that word. They wanted to hear the scriptures. They were eager to hear what Paul said. But that eagerness wasn't the only quality that Luke was referring to. Did you hear the other part of it? They examined the scriptures every day, daily, to see if what Paul said was true. They were so excited about the message that Paul was bringing to them, they had to go back to the scriptures to see that message for themselves, to hear it from God's own words and trust that God was telling them the promises that they needed to hear. What an attitude. What an attitude the Bereans had toward the word of God, eagerly receiving it, daily examining it. As we think about the third commandment today and we think about these verses from Acts chapter 17, maybe it's time, a good time for us to just sort of reflect on our own attitude, to check our attitude when it comes to God's word. I don't want to speak for everyone sitting in here today, but I'm going to guess that the majority of you can relate to the idea of this sort of statement. I suppose I should really go to church today, right? And there's nothing wrong with that sentiment, but, but maybe it places the idea of what happens at worship in the wrong place. That somehow I'm coming to worship for the benefit of others, for the benefit of maybe God. I'm showing God that I'm doing everything the way that I should. Maybe church sometimes becomes an obligation. Maybe worship, searching the scriptures becomes something that we feel like we have to do because we forget, like the Bereans did, the blessings that God has in store for us in his word. That's the first truth I'd like you to take with you today, that the third commandment teaches us this, that we strive to avoid a passive attitude toward hearing God's word. This isn't about something that we simply have to do, but God wants us to remember the blessings that he pours into our lives through the hearing of his word. I think we do have it backwards sometimes, don't we? Don't we have that idea sometimes that, that as long as I show up at church most Sundays or as long as I'm, I'm reading a devotion or maybe thumbing through my Bible a few times a week, then, then, then I'm on the right track, right? We kind of have this idea that we're doing these things for God. That somehow God is taking notice. Here I am, God. See, see, I'm doing all the right things. But didn't Jesus teach us in the parable that he told? Our purpose in coming to worship, our purpose in reading God's word is not something that we do for God, but it's God doing for us. It's God bringing to us the blessings that he wants us to have. That's what's at the heart of the third commandment. God doesn't want you to feel guilty and come to church, read your Bible out of guilt. He wants you to do it because he has huge blessings in store for you. In that word of God contain, is contained massive and amazing promises. Promises that every single sin of yours is forgiven because Jesus took them to the cross. Promises that our God stands with us every single day. He never leaves us or forsakes us. Promises that even in the troubles of life, God will see us through and use all things for our good. What God wants you to see in his word, what he wants you to see in his third commandment is his love for you. 
all the way back when God began the world, that creation, he knew how important rest was going to be. And so even though God didn't need to, he's God, he's all-powerful, when he was finished creating in six days, what did he do? He rested. He rested on the seventh day. And he rested on the seventh day to give you and me a pattern, a pattern of how he wanted things to go. You see, God knows exactly how important it is, not just for us to have physical rest. And if what you said at the start of the service is any indication, we could use a little bit more of that too. But even more, God wants us to find spiritual rest. He wants us to find rest for our souls. Yes, the Sabbath day was all about that, resting from labor, but it was also a chance for people to be, rem to be reminded that they had the ultimate rest in their Savior. That's the second truth I want you to take today, that we eagerly hear God's word because it puts life in perspective. Think about that for a minute. If we're constantly needing rest, if we're running the rat race of this life so much that we can't even sleep at night, how important it is, is, it, is it for us to remember that the spiritual rest that we have through our Savior is so much greater than even physical rest. That you have peace with God. That I have peace with God because Jesus promises our sins are forgiven. And that peace with God provides the spiritual rest that we need as we think about a life that will be perfect in heaven. How many of you remember your first job? The very first job you had. Go ahead, raise your hands. Anybody want to shout some out? What was your first job? Anybody? Delaney, what was your first job? Babysitting. babysitting. Any other babysitters? First job babysitting? Yeah, a lot of you maybe did that. How about paper routes? Anybody else have paper routes first? Okay, quite a few of you. That was my first job. About 40 papers. Fond du Lac reporter, I could put it in my little bag that was strung over my shoulder and ride my bike and deliver all the papers, right? And then Sundays came. Do you remember Sunday papers way back when? the thick ones with all the advertising in them. It was a little harder to fit all 40 of those papers in my bag. And then, and then, to raise the degree of difficulty a little bit, we had customers who only subscribed to the Sunday paper. They were called our Sunday-only customers. So I had to fit another eight or nine papers into my bag and lug them around on my bike. I wasn't too good at it. But it was a good job. It taught responsibility, right? I had to six days a week make sure people's papers arrived when they wanted them to arrive. But I always thought about that, the Sunday-only customers. And I thought, you know, that's great. It's great for us when it comes to the third commandment to be Sunday worshipers, right? But isn't that the heart of the third commandment that God doesn't want us to only be Sunday worshipers? There's 168 hours in the week. God has blessings for you in his word that go beyond just one of those 168 hours. He wants you to find blessings in his word throughout your week, to find the spiritual rest that you and I so desperately need. Take a look at what happened in Berea at the preaching of the word. As a result, many of them believed as did also a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. The results don't surprise us, right? We know what God says in his word, that faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. 
That's what coming to church does. That's what reading God's word does. It provides those results. And it wasn't just the Jewish people in the synagogue. The word must have spread about Paul's message of salvation because it was Gentiles who came to faith in Berea too. We can fast forward a couple thousand years and nothing's changed. God's word still brings results today. Through the prophet Isaiah, God said this, My word will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. When God's word is proclaimed, when you read it, when you hear it, when you meditate on it, then God promises that it never returns empty. That God brings blessings into your life through that word. And the ultimate blessing is the rest that we need for our souls. Think about it. It's all found in our Savior, Jesus. It's Jesus who went to the cross, who shed his blood to make sure every sin of yours and mine is completely washed away. It's Jesus who came to earth to live a life according to God's commandments and the third one too. You might remember the one event from Jesus' life when he was 12 years old where he told his mother, I had to be in my father's house. That's part of Jesus' fulfillment of the third commandment for you and me. Jesus provides full forgiveness to all of us. Sins completely washed away and his resurrection from the dead guarantees it. That your place of eternal rest is secure forever in heaven. No surprise then that Jesus could give us this invitation. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That's what Jesus wants for you and me. That's what God wants for us in the third commandment, a rest that gives us peace, peace with him now and peace with him forever. Some takeaways for what will get truth number three. First, true rest, spiritual rest, is found only in Jesus. That's where it's found in our Savior. Here are the takeaways from the third commandment. Number one, the third commandment provides an attitude check for us, reminds us to think about what is our attitude toward God and his word. Am I gladly hearing and learning it? Am I remembering that it's God doing for me in that word? Number two, the third commandment reminds us to hear God's word often. Blessed are those who meditate on God's law. How sweet it is, is what the psalmist tells us. Number three, Jesus obeyed the third commandment and provides rest for our souls. It's Jesus' obedience, it's Jesus' death on the cross that reminds us that we have exactly what God wants to provide. The peace with God that provides spiritual rest. That's a picture from a few years ago uh, that somebody took in India. And apparently, years ago, uh, there were lots of merchants who walked from town to town in India and they, they would drag their wares, what they were selling, along with them. And so along different routes, they would have these benches. They called them resting stones. The story goes like this. There was a missionary who once saw a young boy sitting on one of those resting stones and simply said to him, do you want to find out about real rest? The boy was interested. So the missionary took the young lad to the school, the missionary school, and there he learned all about Jesus and his promises. One day he came up to the missionary and said, 
I learned this verse today. The Lord is my rock and my salvation. I don't ever have to be tired again. That's better, he said, than any resting stone. And of course, he was right, wasn't he? It's the rest that we find in Jesus that overcomes all of the other things that we face in this world. And there might be sleepless nights ahead for you and me in this life. We might need to use some of those sleep aids. My fan is going to keep running. But the true rest, the real rest that God wants you and I to have, it's yours. And it's a free gift from our Heavenly Father. A gift that says to you, it's all taken care of. Your sins are paid for. Find that in God's word. Go back to that word often, daily like the Bereans, to find your rest in Jesus. And Jesus will give you rest forever in his arms in heaven. Amen. Peace of God which passes all understanding will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.